This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm all out of bubblegum. My goodness, that is from the cult classic, They Live, uh, featuring the one and only Rowdy Roddy Piper would already made quite a name for himself in the world of professional wrestling before moving into uh, movies. And he was such a natural. They live. It was weird. I mean, it's kind of a cult classic now. Uh, and, but it was, it was just perfect for what it was. Uh, remember the fight scene in that movie where he's trying to get his buddy to put on the glasses, allows him to see the aliens, and then doesn't want to put on the glasses. And there's like this long, long fight scene. Uh, but it's a fun movie. And it was always fun watching Rowdy Roddy Piper. I remember I was 10 years old. And this is right before the first WrestleMania. And the WWF's just getting really big. And now it's all of a sudden it's on TV every Saturday. I'm really getting into this. And this is around the Stampede Wrestling Days, too. Who remembers the Piper Pit segment with Jimmy Superfly Snuka? And Roddy Piper clocks him in the head with a coconut. It was the most insane thing I'd ever seen on TV. And I was 10 years old. I don't know if this is real. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm watching on TV as these two guys fight and the whole set collapses. And it's just, it was bonkers. But it was so fascinating. And that's what made Rowdy Roddy Piper just the, the ultimate wrestling bad guy. Uh, and he really became iconic in the world of wrestling, and he's in the, the WWE Hall of Fame, and, and for good reason. So, quite a story. And you know what? And, and watching all those years on TV, I never knew that he was Canadian. Uh, but indeed he is. Spent a lot of time as a kid. I think his dad was a CN Rail cop, bouncing from town to town. Uh, spent a lot of time in Winnipeg, uh, and graduated essentially from the streets of Winnipeg, and uh, found wrestling as a way to, to get him out of trouble. Uh, now, the world tragically lost uh, Roddy Piper uh, last year. And at the time of his passing, he had already begun this journey to write this book, to, to write this biography, and, and to go across the country and talk to people, people from his past, uh, and, and basically help piece together his own story. And a lot of things he couldn't remember, a lot of timelines he couldn't remember, and to share some of these stories that maybe uh, had been lost uh, to the years. Unfortunately, uh, Roddy Piper passed away before the, the book was complete. Or Roderick Toombs, I, I suppose we can refer to him as. His two children uh, picked up the mantle, took on the project. I'm sure that this, uh, this book, this uh, project uh, came to fruition. Uh, the book is out now. It is called Rowdy, the Roddy Piper Story, a biography of their father. Uh, written by Ariel Teal Tombs and Colt Baird Tombs, the daughter and son of Roderick Tombs. Roddy Piper joining us uh, in studio. Uh, she's here in Calgary promoting the book. There's a Word Fest event tomorrow. They'll be reading uh, from the book, signing as well. Ariel Teal Tombs, an actress based in Los Angeles, but is here in Calgary uh, to talk about the book. Ariel, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. 
Thanks for having me. All right, well, this is an interesting project because this was something originally your dad had started out himself and was unfortunately unable to complete. So how did you and, and your brother get involved in this then? Yes. So my dad had started it. He had done a two-week tour through Canada and reconnected with a lot of people um, that he hadn't seen in years and years and interviewed his family because he wanted their stories of him. Um, after you've been in so many pro fights, you mm-hmm. lose some memory. Yeah. And Rowdy Roddy Piper's... Uh, story kind of got confused with Roderick George Toombs over the year. Um, So unfortunately, he didn't get to finish it and he passed away. My brother and I um, got on board about three months after he passed. Craig Payette, who was working on the project with my dad, contacted me and I brought in my brother because he's a fighter himself. And we, between the two of us, we kind of knew everyone we should contact and it was quite the on-taking, but it was really exciting once we got into it. Yeah, you know, because I think people think of writing a book as you just you sit down at your computer and, and you write. But this mm-hmm. was like, even for, for him, this was, as you say, reconnecting with the past, investigating yourself almost to rediscover these stories. And, and that's what, what you and your brother did. Yeah, and it, it's really interesting because, um, you know, when somebody passes, it's very rare that you get to learn something new about them. And let alone as much as as we've learned, like we really... It's like we're getting fatherly advice and stories from our father after he passed. So yeah. it was actually a really cool and therapeutic like thing for us. Yeah, I would think so. Now, what was, you know, growing up, what was that like? And what was your relationship with him and your relationship with the, the wrestling industry? Right. So um, he was a wonderful dad. He was so much fun. Yeah. Um, he would always try to keep business and family separate because he... Uh, being a heel and being Rowdy Roddy Piper, he would be an aggressive person and he was always on guard and he would try not to bring that home with him at the end of the day. And by day, I mean like month or whenever he gets home, right. um, you know, but he was a lot of fun. He was the type of dad that would pull you out of school and so you could go to the fair or something because he wanted to see you. And until my mom would be like, hey, they need, <laughs> right. at some point they have to go back to school, Roderick. Hello. Um, you know, so he was a really fun dad. With the wrestling industry, um, my brother traveled a little bit more because he was a boy. And my dad's very old fashioned, very pa- like, right. uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, it'll come to me later. He's very old fashioned is <laughs> yeah. the point. And he, you know, he didn't want his daughters in the locker room with all these men, right. which makes sense. <laughs> it would be awkward. Um, as well as it was really affecting when you're little, you know, so I didn't really travel with him till I was a bit older. But you were aware of the kind of character he portrayed, right? And and how everybody knew him. Oh, yes. Um, he, being a heel is totally different thing than being a baby face, oh, especially sure. back in those days where it was uh, it was very believable and fans really believed that this is yeah. who you are. And as a result, being a heel's kid is very different than being a baby face's kid. Um, you know, people hated him. He was a villain and <laughs> yeah. thus they hated us or they, really? yeah, they either thought we were like Satan spawn <laughs> or, and like, oh, those kids are up to no good because their dad's always up to no good. Or they thought that we were like victims of circumstance and like, oh, these poor children are probably getting horribly abused at home or just wow. like insanity, which is, couldn't be further from the truth, <laughs> you know? Because I can speak, I remember I would have been probably 10 years old and just sort of starting to see wrestling on TV. And this was right around the time of the first WrestleMania. And 
I was just blown away. I still have a vivid memory, and we were talking about it just the other day of the Piper's Pit segment with Jimmy Snuka and the whole the coconut on the head. Mm -hmm. I remember watching it. I still remember watching this on TV. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I mean, he just, (laughs) there there were so many, you know, the big, beefy, muscly guys, but there were very few who could just make you say, wow, what is happening? (laughs) Because he was so believable, right? He wasn't wasn't this massive, you know, six-foot, muscle-bound guy, Mm -hmm. but he made such a career because he was so good at that side of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he 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 was very great on the mic and he was very great at improv. And back in those days, you know, when they hired a wrestler, they hired the complete package. They were hiring somebody who knew their character, who could mm-hmm. improvise, who could think on the spot, who could manipulate the crowd and so forth. And, you know, as the industry evolved, it became more scripted. And in a way, it doesn't make sense because I, like would you would think that they'd want a person that was an expert at their character, you know? But my dad came from those days, and he worked very hard at it. People don't realize this, but he, you know, they would travel by by a van on the road night after night, like doing two two or three towns a day, and he would always tell me that while the other wrestlers were sleeping, he'd be making notes, and we actually still have all of his notepads from, like, the 70s and 80s, and some of his famous lines are written on there, and he would think of, like, things that he could have on the top of his head so when he's <laughs> improving or whatever's happening and he's being spontaneous he can throw it in and a lot of his you know good lines came from that so he was very clever and put in the work uh, so here's this this kid who's a son of a CN rail cop and moving from from town to town across Canada I think they, they'd settled in Winnipeg for a time when he was young so how does he go from from the streets of Winnipeg to to professional wrestling well, he got into fighting, obviously, at a very young age, um, mostly because he was getting bullied. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> he got him into fighting whether uh, he wanted to or not. Him and a guy named Cam Connors, who I had the pleasure of meeting, um, but actually hadn't heard of before. I think my brother had met him a few times, but I didn't even know he existed before the book. Sorry, Cam. Uh, but he's a great wow. guy, and he has a lot of fun, and I think he got my dad into some trouble sometimes. <laughs> and they actually met having a fight. And because they're manly men, apparently, they, after they were done hitting each other, they were like, you want to be bros? All right, bro. That's how I picture <laughs> really? it. Uh, <laughs> so after that, my dad went into wrestling and boxing and training. And, you know, he traveled from town to town. And it just, it was something he was good at. You know, and I think when you're good at something and you have a passion for it, why not? Because <laughs> it seemed like there was that era where, you know, the, the big roided up, glistening muscle-bound guys had an advantage. So mm-hmm. was was his advantage always the the mic skills? Well, yes and no. He was I mean, first of all, he was still big. I mean, he was 6-3 and a very oxy large man just compared to other wrestlers such yeah. as Andre the Giant. He looks exactly. very small. You know, so he, he was small for a wrestler is what I would tell people. But he um for he was very trained, you know, back in those di- in the original days, if you won the heavyweight belt and you were the champion and then later that night the the town tough guy beat you up in a bar, that takes all the integrity away from that belt. Mm-hmm. So you had to be able to back that up everywhere you went and which often they had to because people really want to say that they beat up Rowdy Roddy Piper or Ric Flair or Hogan or whomever. Sure. So you really did have to be able to defend yourself and defend your title. Um, so all of the old school guys, at least most of them, came in trained. Um, he's got a black belt from Judo Jean LaBelle, and he he's very good at the technique of it, and he just happened to also be very good at the psychology of the crowd yeah. and the improvising and everything like that. Well, that's part of it, because it's, you know, it's one thing to be great on the microphone, but you still got to be able to 
to do it in the ring. It's like I said earlier, it's a complete package. You have to have the technique and the skills. And I think that because he was maybe not as big as the other guys, he definitely worked extra hard on the technique and his skills and, you know, his performance so that he could shine. So, and then where was home for you? I mean, is it mm-hmm. seems like these wrestlers, there really almost is no home. You're just almost on the road constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, where, where was home for for you growing up? There? I grew up in Hillsborough, Oregon, outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, my mother grew up in Aloha, Oregon, so it's oh, okay. like the same area. And all of my Dietrich is my mother's main name. All of the Dietrich side of the family, shout out to them, yeah. uh, live there. So we're all very close. And. My dad, uh, you know, he traveled so much that my mother at some point was just like, look, (laughs) you're always gone anyways. Mm -hmm. Like, I want my children to have a normal life. I want them to have family. Like, we're going to live in Oregon and feel free to come and visit. (laughs) So when he was home, he would come to us. (laughs) Nice. And also, Ariel, let's, I mean, let's talk about the other side of the business and these, these wrestlers who spend most of the year on the road and, and the drinking and the drugs, and then you got the injuries and the painkillers to fight through those, those injuries. And your dad didn't really do a, a good job avoiding all of that, did he? No. <laughs> no? No. Uh, he, he definitely got the injuries, let's put it that way. Sure. Um, you know, as far as drugs... If you look at photos of him, it's obvious he wasn't doing steroids and having glamour muscles. Right. And it wasn't illegal back then to do no. steroids. He, I'm not saying he didn't do them because he did, and I've seen it before. But he was the type of person where he would have an injury and he had to still fight. He, he was in a plane crash and still made it to his fight that night. I really? mean, just to give you an idea of, I mean, he had a broken wrist, broken neck, and he'll still fight. Like, yeah. he didn't let that stuff hold him back. But it it is pretty hard to, I mean, I can barely, like, get out of bed if I sprain my ankle. I'm a big baby about it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to do something like that. So he would take like steroids around to try to improve the muscle around the injury to keep him going and try to heal faster. But he never took him for like glamour. And then let's be honest, guys, it was the 80s. Everybody did a little bit of drugs in the 80s, mm-hmm. especially. So I wasn't there and I'm not going to say, you know, we touch on it in the book. And he obviously went through rehab, um, which is pretty public when he uh, a few years before he passed and he did really well with it. Um, yeah, it's part of the lifestyle. Because it doesn't seem as though his his illness was directly related to being in, in the business. There there almost seems to be a, a curse of the industry, and you think of all the, the wrestlers. Which who, illness? Well, what eventually took his life. Okay, his heart. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, he, he went through a lot of stuff. I'm well, like, which yeah, one? he did. Okay. But do, yeah. do, you, do you see the industry as... I honestly, even if he didn't, he was sober when he, when, for years before he passed. So I just, and he was very into his health. Um, and we would very much push him to go to the doctor and stuff like that. Um, you know, he stopped doing like the, the glamorous eighties drugs. I don't even know, probably before. Long before. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea when he stopped that, but he did, you know, everything after that was pain management and he had a very open alcohol issue. Um, which he overcame and he was very proud of getting off of these things. But all I honestly believe that even if he hadn't have done all that to himself, the industry itself would have killed him. You know, yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with it's the lifestyle, it's the traveling, it's the wear and tear on your body, you know. And ultimately, I believe that that is why he died, is he was traveling too much and his heart couldn't take it, and he shouldn't have been doing all those East Coast flights. And I'm kind of mad about it still. I mean, is it different now? Do you, do you have mixed feelings, the fact that your brother's in this this industry? Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. My brother loves it. He's good at it. And he drives me crazy. Um, 
because I see what dad went through and I, and I, we disagree as to whether dad would be supportive or not, but uh, you know, dad didn't want his kid to go through the pain that he did. You know, it's sure. different with yeah. acting because, you know, you get pampered <laughs> even, even on the bottom, you're, you know, you, you, it's not the same thing. So, you know, I worry that as Colt gets older, he'll run into a lot of the same issues and stuff like that. But you know, it's that male pride. Like he's good at it and he wants to continue it. Um, he's hoping to not have to travel as much. So mm. hopefully he'll make that a goal, but we'll see. Well, but it's, yeah, it's weird. I mean, because people know your father is a wrestler and an actor. And mm-hmm. so here's Colt the wrestler and, and here's you the actor. I know. We really like, you take one, I'll take the other. Go. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you think that you, that that you got that that from him and that that the showmanship and the acting that that kind of the, that comes from him for sure i mean he's for anyone you know every kid admires their dad unless he's like a terrible person but most <laughs> kids admire their dad sure, yes. and dad's a hard person not to look up to when you're young i mean he he was one of those people that you could be like i'm going to be in this village in indonesia and he'll know like four people there and the best place to eat like he'd been <laughs> everywhere and i wanted that when i was little i was like i want to travel i want to be worldly i want to have stories from everywhere so i really looked up to that um as well as i always had um a musical uh passion and everything like that and so we would we would get into that and he, he's a lot of people don't realize this but he really really was a passionate actor and a, mm-hmm. and an artist and he would get into acting classes in LA with people that just got off the bus from like Wisconsin really? and like <laughs> and he didn't care like he would go to that ground level and just work on the craft and he'd always say that you have to live it breathe it eat it uh, entertainment in general you know yeah. so obviously that wiped off on me a lot um Colton Colton just was good at fighting. I don't know. I think the passion grew as he got older. Mm. I think originally he was just good at it and was getting into fights because he's a naughty little brother. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, but then as he got older, I think the passion for it grew more and more. Sure. So what do you hope people get from the book? I, you know, there's a couple things. The first one, you know, if you're not a wrestling fan, if you're not a Rowdy Roddy Piper fan, I think this book will make you a Roderick George Toombs fan because it really was about a father rediscovering himself. And he always said that he wanted this book to be for his family. It was so that we had a complete timeline of what actually happened in Mm -hmm. his life because he didn't even know. And honestly, we believed a lot of the wrestling stories growing up because it was easier for him to let us believe that than to confuse us. Oh, really? Yeah. And so he wanted that closure and that um, timeline for his family. So I think people will enjoy his story. And the second thing is he is a person that went through a lot of struggles. He overcame cancer. He went to rehab. And that was something he was so proud of. Like he did not touch alcohol till the day he died um, after rehab. (laughs) And that's not an easy thing, especially with the amount of pain he was in on a chronic basis. And I would I think that he would love fans to see this book and see everything that he's overcome and how strong of a person he was and to have that be inspiration for whatever they're going through in their life, because that was what he loved to give fans was hope and tell them to stay strong. So I think he would want people to get that from the book. Yeah. Now you're here in Calgary for a couple of days yes. and you know, Calgary's uh, a city that comes up in the, the Roddy Piper story. Mm-hmm. How, how central was this? How much time did he spend here over the year? Um, you know, earlier in his career, obviously once he got big, he traveled everywhere, but yeah. earlier in his career, he did spend quite a bit of time in Calgary and Winnipeg um, before he went to LA to train with Judo Jean LaBelle. And we do talk about it in the book. Um, so you can kind of get more details there, but it, you mm-hmm. know, this is where he started. This is where the passion grew. This is where his talent grew. Yeah.
Well, the book is called Rowdy, the Roddy Piper Story, and uh, you're going to be uh, signing copies of the book tomorrow, right? Yes, WordFest. Come on out, everyone. All right, fantastic. Ariel, great meeting you. Congrats on, on this project, and, and thanks so much for joining us Thank here. you for having me. There you go. Ariel Toombs, uh, co-author of the book Rowdy, the Roddy Piper Story. Um, what an icon he was. Uh, can you indulge me a little bit? I want to. I was going through YouTube, and there's so many just awesome Roddy Piper interviews and promos, and you just realize, right? And this guy, as a character, how, how good he was. I got a bit of time, Patrick. I'm going to play a bit of this here. And Roddy Piper, I'm not hurting. How in the world, against the doctor's advice, can you go out in that ring and meet the Iron Sheik? I do exactly what I want to do. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. Adrian Adonis, do you think I'm insane? Do you think for one second now you're running around with your dress on and, and your beautiful pectorals that, that look like you had six litters of puppies? You're going to come run in a ring and you're going to come run around and mess me up and think for one second that I'm just going to sit there and take up and not come out there and think you to a pulp? You think for one second you and all your splendid glory with your pretty oh, little hat on and all it was one of a kind, uh, just quite something. So, yeah, I mean, there really seems to be that that wrestling curse. And you think of, you know, the icons of the industry who've uh, who've died far too young. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was one of a kind, absolutely. Uh, so the book is called Rowdy, the Roddy Piper story. And as mentioned, Ariel's going to be uh, involved at WordFest tomorrow. You can uh, meet her there. Yeah, get the book signed, and I think they're going to be reading an excerpt as well. When we come back here from the 2.30 News, we're going to get an update on the Allison Azer case. This came up in, in the House of Commons this week, and it got so heated that uh, the Foreign Affairs Minister has uh, issued an apology for his behavior in the House, uh, which all of it, uh, all of which seems to distract us here from the goal of getting these four kids back with their mother. So we'll tell you more about that in a few minutes here. It's Afternoons on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.